Don Quixote left his home to serve as a knight errant of justice. Soon he acquired some additional titles. He was the writer of wrongs, the protector of damsels, the terror of giants, and the winner of battles. But before he became any of these, he was Alonso Quijana, a reader of books. Books had transformed an aging squire into a great knight errant, and similar transformations still occur among the people who read books. Alonso had a large library, and all his books recounted legends of chivalry, extravagant tales of injuries, damsels, giants, battles, and heroic knights errant. Each knight had an entrancing name and came from a distant place. But the favorite of Alonso and the favorite of 16th century Spain was Amadis of Gaul. Alonso claimed that Amadis was the North Star, the Morning Star, the son of all valiant knights and lovers. Perhaps Alonso's phrasing sounds overdone, but it resembles the mannered prose he found in his books. He did not really understand this elegant language, but this did not discourage Alonso. He was entranced by the language of his books. As we know, enchantment can take many forms, but here enchantment refers to enchantment of the word. The word may be several books, one book, or an extended passage. It may be a phrase, a name, or a title. All of these can introduce one to a world apart from immediate experience. Don Quixote was transformed by the books he read. His friends said he was enchanted. Writer Thomas M. King, author of these words, proclaims, I am a reader of books. I am easily absorbed by what I read and soon am lost in another world. In reading only the opening passage of a novel, I gain a new identity and begin living the life of someone else. The book's world has become my world. Soon I will be able to think in terms of what I have read but it is not simply a matter of thinking. My emotions are led through a world of experience I have never had. After I finish reading, it seems I have had a new experience, yet I did not have it at all. For the whole time I was reading, I have lived as someone else. While I am reading, my hopes and fears, my city and my friends are all called into being by words. As such, I ignore the physical world around me. I am spellbound. I am enchanted. I confess, I am a reader of books. If we listen closely to Margot Murray as she talks about books, about reading, she doesn't come right out and use the word enchantment, but it sounds as if she believes in the power of words formed into a good story to captivate us, and she has created a story with an epigraph that reads, there's only one way through the vipers. So it's clear she's serious about grabbing us from the get-go, pulling us into a saga of Waverly, who is thrust into a centuries-old conflict where she is the hero and the villain. And what's this about the King of France? Castles? Duchesses and dames? We know Don Quixote and Sancho meet up with the Duchess and Duke and travel with them to their castle. 
Are we about to be enchanted by Americ's Tale, the first book in Margot Murray's young adult fantasy series? We had a chance to speak by phone with Margot Murray, who is a teacher of English language arts in the Sealands Grove Area School District, about her passion for reading and her new book. I was a great pretender. That's where my love of stories really began in my own head. I love going on adventures and having imaginary friends. I love being able to go wherever I wanted to and to meet new people, and it was all upstairs. So I loved pretending, and that started at a very early age. Uh, I had imaginary friends. I think when I was three, it was uh, was Minnie Mouse, Laura Ingalls. So that's where it all began. And then as I got older, I really fell in love with books because then I didn't have to make up the stories and I was able to go on someone else's ride. And that continued throughout my childhood and then in high school and college. And uh, it wasn't until after college that I really got into writing. Now, I had completely and utterly fallen in love with books at this point, and I was looking for new stories and interesting stories. I was a reading teacher, and so for me, finding good stories, it was just such a goal. And there was the story that I wanted to find, but I couldn't find it. And I didn't realize it at the time, but that story was inside me, and I was the one who was going to have to create it. Well, what about in between that time when you came to that realization and the time in school? You were reading all kinds of things, loving all kinds of things, all kinds of eras, all kinds of genres of books, short stories and poetry and epics and novels and things like that. What were you drawn to in terms of your own reading? Oh, I was drawn to The Book of Three, The Black Cauldron, those right there. I I loved the Prudane series, and that was just such a gateway for more books. But I I would pretty much, I would love anything someone would give me. I was a, a real easy reader. If you gave me a book and you said you loved it, I would give it an honest go, and I would find quite easily that I loved books and what you gave me was was good enough. I was an easy child. You decided because books were so important to you that you wanted to introduce students that you might come to teach to the joys of reading and the excitement of reading? Is that how you became a teacher? Oh, absolutely. I, I wanted to talk about books and I wanted to have deep conversations about them. And I wanted to talk about the characters I loved and the characters that annoyed me. And I wanted to talk about the plot and the moments I wanted to throw the book and the moments I just fell in reading love. That moment where you can't put the book down no matter how hard you try and you, you forget to eat. And you have to be careful around stairs because you don't want to accidentally fall. And I wanted to share that with others because they had been such a joy for me. And that's why I got into teaching, for those magic moments. Now, were you able to take courses that could allow you to do that? Were there sympathetic teachers of reading education that would say, yes, you go in that way, Margot, that's the way to go? Or did you have to observe rigid things that would go against what your impulse was? 
Well, I was very fortunate with my first teaching position. Uh, I was a reading teacher, and every day six was a silent reading day. We'd go up to the library, and we were able to be there together in the library, and I would suggest books for kids. And I was very good at matching the child's personality with a book that I knew that would just reach them. And so on those day sixes, those were those days where I was able to experience that with students. And it was a magical time. I was reading and I was sharing what I was reading. And so I did, I did get those, those moments. The things have changed in education, but this year, due to COVID, we're in a hybrid situation. So I have kids at home and I have kids at school and they're on the computer so much. We have given them time. We try at least once a week to give them the opportunity to just sit and read a book. And so I feel as though that little bit of magic is returning, even though it's been a very stressful year. You talked about magic, and you realized that you were looking for that terrific story to give to your students. Was it an aha moment, or was it something that you came to understand gradually? For me, this story, I had a dream, and in this dream, there were two characters. There was a young girl, a teenager, and then there was this man covered in shadows. And I absolutely wanted to know who these characters were. When I woke up, it was not out of choice. I wanted to get back into that dream, but I wrote down the dream really quickly, and I desperately tried to return to the dream, and I was unable to. And that's when this idea came to me. It wasn't for a few years that I was able to write down the story. I was furloughed in 2011. Uh, the school I was working at shuttered, but that gave me that opportunity to write this story. The characters, were they giving you cues when you were writing the story about who they were and where they needed to go? Was it a joint venture between the characters that you were creating and yourself? The characters in the dream, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where they would go and what they would do. And with all the characters in the book, they tended to come to me in little snippets as I was going along. And part of being the reading teacher and the, now the ELA teacher is I tend to do accents and voices because I read with the students so much. I have to have different voices. I teach sixth grade and I teach eighth grade. And the sixth graders love the voices. The eighth graders love them too. They don't necessarily want to admit it, but they do love them. So the characters came through those voices. So I'd be sitting there and I would be writing a scene and I would know the scene was missing something. And it was almost like those voices I did in class came back to me. And I would, you know, start playing around with the voices and the characters would soon develop from there. So characters appear, but what about the setting? We begin in a diner, and you describe it in realistic detail, right down to the sticky floor. We imagine maybe maple syrup is spilled. But then mother and grandmother enter, and we're not at all sure about what's pinchably real. Oh, my goodness. The first chapter. I wrote the first chapter at least 100 times. I could not get it right, and I loved 
Waverly, and I loved Greer, and I loved Doc and Manon. I loved them so much, I didn't want to give up on them. And so I knew I had to get that first chapter right. And so I really wrestled with how to start this book. I needed to reveal something odd is going on, but I didn't want it to be obvious. It it had to kind of gradually come on to the reader. They had to discover that something odd was going on, but then also have it, there be no question. So it was a very delicate balance. I didn't want to reveal too much too soon. But the title of the book, America's Tale, is very hard to come up with, but it seems to be the titles of the chapters were very easy, and those came very naturally. I I think I just sat down one day, and I knew exactly what they needed to be. And there's very, very few changes to the titles from the day I wrote those until the day it was published. And now to the themes in Americ's tale. Trust. How can we trust? Whom can we trust? Those sorts of things that would be important for young readers to consider. Yes, trust is something that I think when we're younger, we're, we're much easier to trust other people. We think that everyone that we meet is, in essence, a good person. And it's sad growing up that we realize that we should not give our trust away so easily. And unfortunately, that's what Waverly finds throughout the novel. Uh, but it's also a beautiful thing to trust people. So it's that moment, who can you trust and why do you trust them? She has to figure that out. Like most of us, we have to figure that out. There's an important quest for a necklace that's part of the story. Emerald necklaces abound, but not one of them is right. And it sounds like the way you kept looking for the exact story for your students, but couldn't find the right one. So you said, I have to write it, that's all. Why is America's tale it? I I wanted a story that that I would want to read. And it's a large responsibility knowing that a student will be reading it because I don't want to let them down and I I don't want to let myself down either. So it creates a very I, I weigh my words carefully and I, I try to I try to make them proud. And there are some wonderful reading moments before bedtime. Waverly gets into PJs and goes into the library and is going to pick the poetry of Abraham Lincoln. But first, there's this mysterious book at the bottom. Well, is it fairy tales? What is it? It comes across as a scene of loving books and loving libraries. Yes. We read so many fairy tales that take place in in Europe. And I wanted to create an American fairy tale book. And so that's where that idea came from. I wanted there to be one in existence, even if it's even if it's in a in a book. And speaking of words, what about choice of vocabulary? You are not writing down to these students clearly. Do you choose the words that are right? I have great faith in students. I have been around quite a few over a thousand at this point. 13-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds. I've been around this age group, and I think people tend to underestimate what they understand and and how they work with language and their ability to look through context clues. And I, I knew my audience well, so they were up to the task. 
What do they like to read, the students in recent years? What are you finding that they will go to on their own? Are they Harry Potter fans? Well, uh, Harry Potter, uh, Rick Riordan, they're into the Percy Jackson series. They really enjoy the Hunger Games. They will gravitate. I think I saw a few books, the selection match. They enjoy books on the fantasy and sci-fi. I think that's that's where they're leaning right now. If a student is happy reading what they have, then I'm happy. Do you encourage them as a reading teacher to write as well? Do they write in response to what they've read? How do the reading and writing come together in a reading curriculum these days? Oh, yes. Well, what I ended up doing, I did an enrichment activity with my students this year where they they did the National Novel Writing Month, and that was part of their bell ringer where they would take time in class and they would work on their creative writing. Writing is a very large component, but my first period, I have students in there that are writing a musical and that are writing plays. So, they know it's a it's a welcoming environment for creatives, and they understand that they, they can write in there, and when we have the time, we, we try to work it in. Now, do I understand that you have an audio version of this book that you recorded? Yes. What was that like? Oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I got to use the voices that I had been honing in my classroom, and I was able to use so many of them, and many of my students that have listened to it, they're like, oh, I know know that voice. I know what that voice is from. That's from a short story. They can actually say where I had used those voices in class. So that was fun. It it was a lot of work because this is my first audio book. There were definitely some hiccups that I had to work through, but that's part of the learning process. You know, we sometimes have to re-record whole chapters. It's about repetition and learning from your mistakes. Sounds like you're taking that in stride. Do you still want to do more writing? Yes, I am working on book two currently, and I am just getting done with this rewrite. And I'm also working on a few children's novels and short stories. Just overall, in the 21st century, when everybody is online, and of course, even more so now during the pandemic, what is the importance of reading, just reading for young people as we go further into the 21st century? Reading is a beautiful escape, and all the characters live in your mind, and they can be whoever you want them to be, and they can look like you, they could look like someone else. And you are in control, and the author is also in control, and it's a perfect marriage between those two worlds. And it's something that we all need right now. I think we could all use a happy escape to somewhere else for just a little while. And when things get tough, it's a place where we can go, and it's a place where we're safe in the author's hands, and we're able to, we're able to go there. And if I can be that escape for someone, that is truly such an honor to have given them a little respite from the world around them.
March is National Reading Month, and we had a chance to speak by phone with author Margot Murray, who is a teacher of English language arts in the Sealands Grove Area School District. We spoke about her recent book, Americ's Tale, the first in her young adult fantasy series. Americ's Tale is available online through most booksellers we frequent. Americ's Tale by Margot Murray, and she writes under the name Margs, M-A-R-G-S, Murray. She says it's easier for young people than M-A-R-G-A-U-X. So it's Margs Murray, who is credited as the author of Americ's Tale, and the title is spelled a uh, Merrick's M-E-R-R-I-C apostrophe S, M-E-R-R-I-C apostrophe S tale. And it's by Margs Murray, and you can find it online. 